Welcome back to another edition of the best podcast in the minors. We're getting back to our regularly scheduled time frames here every Wednesday here at stltoday.com. I am, of course, Carter Chapley, digital baseball producer, Salem Post Dispatch, and I'm joined by digital, or I guess not digital, just regular baseball dude, minor league baseball dude, Daniel Guerrero, or a minor league baseball writer at the Post. Well, that'd be, I mean, that'd be, well, no, you're in the I paper. Technically, it's like half and half. Right? You're in the paper. You're fine. Double. You're just a baseball writer. Okay, that's cool, I guess. Yeah, you are. You're a baseball writer. There's nothing wrong with, with saying that. You're a, and you're a preeminent minor league dude. How, how many papers have a minor league dude? You might be the that's only a good one. question. Oh, I mean, other places do, and I think they all do fantastic pa- work. Papers. papers. Yeah, that's the thing. We've talked to, we, we, you know, we've talked to our friends at MLB Pipeline, and there are other guys who cover uh, the minor leagues extensively, but you might be the... Uh, one of the only papers who have a minor league dude. Hmm. I'll have to look the, look at that. Survey the survey the field, right? Yes. Uh, so we we'll create like a little conference. <laughs> minor league dudes. <laughs> minor mi- league dudes. Minor league dudes of minor America. League print, minor league print dudes of America. <laughs> yeah, uh, you and five dudes in a uh, in a La Quinta <laughs> Inn in Omaha. Um, so sign me up. Yeah. Uh, last week we spent all of our time talking about Memphis. Uh, we we were going to do a more generalized review of the organization now that we're getting back to our regular schedule but memphis mm-hmm. was the most prominent it still yeah, is I, mean, you, I think yeah i mean when you look at uh not I mean not not just kind of the, the the prospect talent but the guys who are kind of nearing that the mlb threshold or have been and at the major league level um but i mean yeah i mean we'll uh sorry to cut you off there but i mean i i think mm-hmm. uh you know we're we'll take a little bit trip we'll take a trip a little bit further down in the prospect system within the cardinals um, and dive into Peoria this week, right? I mean, there's... That's the next most interesting, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah let's go there. Yeah, I think so. I think when, when we looked at the rosters at the start of, you know, minor league opening day, this was the one that really caught my attention. I remember even uh, in spring training uh, and just kind of a conversation with Peoria manager Patrick Anderson, he kind of had the sense to him. I mean, obviously, they uh, really don't know who's assigned where until guys leave spring training. Um, but I mean, there was kind of this sense that you know things, uh, you know, Peoria was going to have a, a a lot to, a lot of talent, a lot of prospect talent to watch this year. Um, just kind of, and that was just kind of based off the, uh, you know, just kind of lining up where guys were at in their development and kind of the process and where guys were trending towards and in, in kind of their their developmental track. Where like I even got the sense too that you know Peoria was going to be a place to watch. Um, especially considering you know what what we saw in Palm Beach last year, and I think that's you know naturally right, where you see a lot of guys in Palm Beach. Palm Beach makes the playoff um, playoffs. You have guys there who really look effective and um, look like they're progressing well. So I mean, to really, the next step is Peoria. Yep, and Peoria is a interesting group of guys right now. Highlighted, I mean, highlighted by last year's number one overall pick. Uh, or I guess or first round pick. First round pick. Twenty second. Cardinals overall. number one overall pick. Twenty. Does that make sense? You know what you know what I'm saying. First, yeah, first, first round, round pick. selection. Uh, Cooper Jerpy. Tink Hens is there though. I believe still on the injured list. Uh, yes. Is, he, uh, the last we last update we were able to get on Tink Hens was it late last week. He was set to throw a bullpen session, uh, throw off a mound, and then later progress to a more aggressive bullpen um, session before the Cardinals determined if he, he was going to slide back into the rotation. Um, just based off the listed probables or the probables listed for Peoria's rotation through Saturday, he's not on there. Um, Makes sense. So we'll continue to to kind of keep eyes on on Tinkens's 
uh, progression and kind of reevaluation and, and what the next step is for him. But, I mean, when you look at that rotation, that's two high-level arms, right, leading mm-hmm. that rotation. Uh, when you look at the position player talent, you also have uh, some really interesting names uh, behind the plate. Jimmy Crooks the third has been, uh, you know, handling duties back there. As you know, we've talked about him before, and since he, you know, became fourth round pick, uh, fourth round pick last year uh, in the draft, uh, hitting leadoff for them, and really just being effective all over the field for them on defense and on the Bates paths. Victor Scott the second has um, really gotten off to a quick start this year. I mean, he was our fifth round Cardinals fifth round pick last year, um, and he's kind of a guy who I feel like we maybe had under the radar. Um, as far as you know mm-hmm. production and kind of just that talent level and kind of maybe that ceiling of, of what he can do um jeremy ross is playing shorts up he was the youngest guy in major league camp this year before uh, being reassigned to minors camp um also another guy who really stands out defensively i think it's on offense where you know you're looking for him to take strides in um but i mean yeah i mean when you look at just kind of the entire field of of these guys in Peoria, there's really a lot to, to look at. Um, it's an interesting ball club. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... And some, like, we talk about it often on the show, but, like, lottery tickets. Like, a lot of guys in the MLB draft are lottery tickets. Mm-hmm. That's why there's so right. many picks, right? And so, like, I, I, I'm not sure if you mentioned him here because I was just doing my research. A guy like Nathan Church, mm-hmm. who is a kind of nobody, like, not to be disrespectful to Nathan, he is an 11th round pick last season from UC Irvine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he leads the team in hits with 28 over 23 starts, and he's got a 304 batting average. Mm-hmm. Now, he's a college guy, so he's got a little more development. More seasoning. More seasoning, so him succeeding at, at Peoria isn't isn't unexpected, isn't totally a shock, mm-hmm. but to be a first-year professional baseball kind of guy, leading a high-A team in hits, he's got you know, he hasn't hit a home run. But he's got some contact. He's stolen some bases, mm-hmm. takes walks, this, that, the other thing. That's a lottery pick. Does he turn into something? Who knows? Yeah. But, and but if he was, if, if you were to look at someone who might get called up, he'd be a, a, certainly a candidate to see what he does in the next level. He's interest. He's interesting. And that's what I'm saying by this team is interesting. There are lots of guys up and down the roster who are interesting at the very least. Yeah, I, I'd say so. I mean, I, I think I know. I mean, we I touched on him a little bit, but Victor Scott is really one that has kind of intrigued me as the season progresses. I mean, when you look at, um, I mean, he came into the system, you know, as a fifth round pick from West Virginia um, and got off to an okay start, I'd say, with Palm Beach last year. I mean, in just mm-hmm. kind of that short season. I mean, he batted 222, which, you know, isn't, you know, great, but still got on base at a 358 clip, uh, stole, I think, 13 bases. Um 31 games. I mean, and I know we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, Mike Antico and what he did last year leading the Cardinal system in steals. But this is another guy when you look at just based off pure speed, based off baseball instincts, um, and just the ability to do that when he's productively getting on base. I mean, he's shown he has success in that. I mean, and just in this year alone, I mean, through 22 games, he's stolen 17 bases. I mean, that leads the Cardinal system. Um, I think 24 uh, base hits. Gets double, gets turned singles into doubles, doubles into triples. And what what is what was interesting to me? I mean, I had a chance to talk to him and just kind of write about get his um, thoughts and kind of Mike Antigo's thoughts on you know just the stolen base trends at the major league level, and if they feel like that kind of adds value to their to them as prospects, right? Of guys who were base stealers, guys who were known for um, taking an extra base. Um, and one of the things that Victor Scott had kind of mentioned was that he had went into the first week of the season with goals right with with things that he wanted to 
had to accomplish boxes he wanted to check. And one of them was to steal five bases. Another one was to hit a double, hit a triple. And he did all of that in the first week, uh, which was something he's like, yeah, he's like, he, he, mean, he said, he's like, uh, you know, things can be, uh, you can set goals for yourself. He's like, but you got to make them attainable. He's like, I could say I want to steal 12 bases in the first week. He's like, and it's possible. He's like, but it's not really attainable. Sure. And it's, 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 it was, it was kind of an interesting way um, to hear or in a, yeah, an interesting thought process, right? For a guy who understands his capabilities and understands, um, you know, what his, I guess I, and he said like what his identity is as a player, right? His identity is a guy who's going to get on base, who's going to steal bases, who's going to play uh, solid defense in center field. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it was just intriguing to hear about, right? I mean, a guy who isn't going to try to drive the ball deep. I mean, yeah, he might connect with the homer every now and then, um, but I mean, a guy who is going to try to take that extra base on a ball in the gap, or try to stretch a single into a double, um, and when you when you look at what he's done already, I mean, I seventeen stolen bases through twenty two games. It's significant, it's, yeah. He's only yeah. been caught once. I mean, it, it's it's. I mean, it, it it bodes well for for a guy who knows his identity and is having success in that field. Yeah, I guess the one thing it's the same conversation I like having with Mike Antico is like. The thing that's interesting about Victor Scott is that, yes, he does have a role. Mm-hmm. Definitively, he can be a specific type of player that, that especially in the new Major League Baseball, there is value in. Mm-hmm. Guys who can steal bases, guys who can play defense, guys who can stretch, guys who can you know stretch a single into a double, score from first on a double in, in, in a playoff game. Like These are guys that have a value. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of these guys, in when I watch them, when I watch their swings, when I watch their, their bodies, when I watch them, their approach... You could very easily picture into developing into something more. Mm-hmm. It's just they haven't yet, right? Like uh, you, you talk about Victor Scott, like he might he might find his way into a home run every once in a while. But mm-hmm. when I watch him play, it's like, oh, I could see his swing developing into something a little bit mm-hmm. more than that. Like you could see it; it's there. Like you can picture it in your head. Like you can do the eye test. Same with Mike Antico; he did this at Texas a lot more, where he hit for mm-hmm. some power, and he's hitting for a little bit more uh, higher slugging per- or a little bit higher slugging percentage this year, actually. Well, and then slugging is another interesting stat to look at because if he can turn singles into doubles, that's a that's a slugging mm-hmm. ad, right? But but I digress. It's it's yeah. what makes him yeah, so right. interesting is that while his role is defined, mm-hmm. we know what he can be, or we know what he is. He is a defensive oriented contact hitter who can steal it, who can extend his offensive ability with his legs. Mm-hmm. Great, cool. What makes Victor Scott and Mike Antico so interesting to me is that they could be more, mm-hmm. which is part of that lottery ticket I talk about. Like yeah. when, like, do they take a leap at some point? Like, for example, for example, it's almost it's almost the opposite of like a Tyler O'Neill in the major leagues. It's like he shows degrees of power, but he's also got legs that could be another tool for him. Mm-hmm. We don't really see it yet. In this case, it's the opposite. It's interesting to see how like mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. Mike Antico turn into a Tyler O'Neill one day. Not likely, but maybe. And that's what makes them exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anyone else on this, uh, on the offensive side of Peoria that draws your interest? Nathan Church, for me, is the guy. I talked about him earlier. Uh, just from a contact, you know, guy gets base hits. That's interesting to me. Um, again, 11th round pick, so you're not exactly high profile on, on, on that kind of guy. But, like, there are other names here that you look at that are I recognize um, 
do you want to extend on what you want to talk about? Or do you just want to keep talking about Victor Scott? I'm more than happy to just talk about the whole episode about a guy who's the Victor steal. Scott episode. Yeah. I think, I think the, the big episode would be the Victor Scott, Mike Antico one, the meeting of the two we gotta get fastest yeah. players in the Cardinal system. Do you think we can get them at like, um, in, in, in the NHL all-star game, there's a fastest skater competition. Oh, that'd be interesting. Do you think we can get them on the outfield didn't, on an outfield track? And didn't know. Uh, oh, what were you going to say? Sorry. On an out, can we get them on an outfield track and have them be, try and beat the freeze? I think they'd beat the freeze. They beat the freeze easy, but I think uh, that reminds me. I think wasn't Nelly who went on like first take years ago and talked about being you know trying to like I mean he was pitching like a it was like a an MLB like skills competition for the All Star game, which was I don't I, know why it just kind of for whatever reason that segment sticks out to me. Um, I'm, look, I, I I'm looking it up. I don't remember it, but uh, he did say this in 2013. Nelly, yeah. who also wants to see the MLB All-Star Game at a skills competition, similar to what the NBA does yeah. in your All-Star Showcase. Yes, he, he did say that. Yeah, have him in the outfield, see know, what happens. I don't know why, just Nelly being on first take for whatever reason when I was in high school. Sticks out. <laughs> just What does Ja Rule feel about this? Um, <laughs> I think what you were going to say about the fastest skater competition is, yes, uh, Daniel, when it was held in St. Louis... Uh, a, a woman's player did win the fastest skater, but she was not eligible to win. Um, when the All-Star Game was in St. Louis, uh-huh. uh, they had a thing where, it, like, one of the competitions was fastest skater, obviously. Yeah. And in order, before every event in at the St. Louis one, before the TVs kind of came back, they had a woman, a professional woman's hockey player, part of Team USA or Team Canada, mm-hmm. who played a game at that event that night. It was Team USA versus Team Canada in a women's game, which was the best part of the weekend, by the way. That women's game, because it was real hockey. Yeah. So it was the best oh, part. yeah. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't it, an All-Star it, it game. Wasn't an they played. Game. They, yeah. they played and they played hard and yeah. they were good. Um, but they had a women's player from one of those two teams come out and like display how the event would go. Yeah. Right. So like they had, it, it was a fastest skater. So she did the, she did, they called a hot lap around the, mm-hmm. the, the, the ice. And and then they had or like for the shooting competition, she would come out and try and ping the um the targets off of the oh, net okay. and stuff like that. And I f- I cannot remember for the life of me who it was. It might have been Hillary Knight, but I can't remember specifically. She came out and when she skated her hot lap, had the fast had a faster time than the men's player who won the competition. Mm-hmm. But the men's player won the competition and therefore got the prize money. No, what? But even though she skated it faster, yeah. So that's why th- th- I thought that's where you were going with uh, the fastest skater competition that oh. I was referencing. But no, apparently you did not know the story. I'm just no, imparting. Not, no. I'm just imparting I still some need to wisdom. Get educated in, in uh, I, I covered in that. Hockey. I covered that event uh, at my previous outlet, and it was hmm. an outrage. Um, I gotta remember <laughs> who that was. Um, um, but anyways, Mike Antigo, the Mike right. Antigo, Victor Scott episode. It, we should probably try and get them together at some point. Um, just the art of the base of stealing bases. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, when we uh, just kind of uh, Kendall Coin Schofield. Oh, there you go. Kendall Coin Schofield. Kendall Coin Schofield of Team USA well, uh, had the fastest skater time and then nice. wasn't allowed to win. Um, anyone else on this roster? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think uh, just when you look at the roster, um, you look at the names, and you look at the guys who are performing, whether it's well or. You're, um, you're looking for them to kind of work through these issues after the first month of the season. Um, I think there's definitely a couple names on the pitching side. I mean, that's where I'm interested, and that that's what really intrigues me. Um, and obviously, I do want to point you, out, like with Peoria though, with the hitters. Yeah. Before we move on, there's a distinct lack of power. Mm-hmm. Um, I think only what is it? Five guys have hit home runs for this team, mm-hmm. 
and the most is two in like 15 games like yeah, uh there are five five guys have hit home runs over 15 games five and they've only hit a grand total of six home runs over 15 games which mm-hmm. is just a fast i don't know if that means anything but it's just something that when you look at the stats through through like 15 games through two weeks only five, six home runs total is kind of like huh weird okay and then you move on mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know if, i don't know if i'm reading too far into that but yeah um i I think there is something, I mean, to that. I mean, right, when you look at... Obviously, when, we, when you look at the... I'm sorry, not 15 games, like 23 games. Like, we're a month into the season. Yeah. Some guys have been playing, and there's only been six home runs. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at the, the, the prospects that are there and just kind of their what they're, I guess, kind of what they excel in, I mean, I, I don't think there's as many guys who, you know, you look at as guys who are going to drive the ball... Um, for a lot of homers, I mean, I think Jimmy Crooks is Crooks probably is that one. probably that one yep. guy right down there who you expect to be kind of that power threat in the lineup who um, hasn't homered yet. I mean, he's slugging really only two sixty eight, batting two fourteen, um, really not not off to to a, a strong start. I mean, um, I think the one kind of silver lining in that and what he's done. I mean, he's drawn sixteen walks. I mean, struck out seventeen times, which um, I guess at that rate, I mean, it's still. He's still, you know, being able to get on base. I mean, at a 389 percentage. I mean, so it's significant, um, pretty significant for a guy who, another guy, you know, who came out of college, went to Oklahoma, had some big homers in the College World Series. Um, another, he talked about, you know, the the changes he, uh, uh, he made to kind of his swing to get, you know, find a shorter path mm-hmm. path to the ball. I mean, some of those things came uh, um, during his time, uh, just the Cardinals complex this past off season. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I I do think that seeing or not or not seeing, I guess that power in Peoria right now is is kind of interesting, right? But I, I think you kind of have to kind of take a look at you know who are the guys playing, who the guys are there, right? Mm-hmm. I think if we're talking about Memphis and be, saying there's yeah. not a whole lot of power when you have you know Luke Yepes and Baker. and Baker and now Jordan Walker and Mason Moises Wynn. Gomez, um, right? And Mason Wynn, where it's like guys who have drive shown the ball. they can drive the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I think here we're looking at a team that's more contact oriented, um, or still than learning, or how to drive still adjust, yeah, or still adjusting to to yeah. being a professional player. Um, the walk totals are fascinating, though. That mm-hmm. is interesting. Like that is also very like Jimmy Crook, sixteen walks, seventeen 16 walks. I mean that rate. I mean it's yeah. No, Noah Noah Medlinger has nine walks in thirty you know at, at bats bat, or 13 games right? right and he's he's got a 167 batting average but his on-base percentage is 422, 422. it's, it's like of, insane yeah. like it's right. it's like it's clear that there might be an organizational like i wonder if you were to talk to gary larock and be like is there an organizational philosophy mm-hmm. of teaching plate discipline early mm-hmm. like we're less interested in you going swinging for the fences and more interested in you showing a display of like plate plate mm-hmm. awareness and you know like are they sitting there at you know in peoria going guys condense your zone look mm-hmm. for your pitch take walks is that something and then when you get to springfield to springfield or memphis we'll worry about more about mm-hmm. taking pitches that aren't yours and learning how to drive them mm-hmm. which is uh, the, uh what, what's the dan lebertard show do uh time to throw all journalistic credibility and get reckless and speculate recklessly <laughs> like i don't know that it's just an, like yeah. there are certain thing trends that i'm seeing here that are interesting um pitching yeah, I mean, Back when to pitching. That's where we really want pitching, to talk. Right. Um, yeah. And some guys who are interesting, like Cooper Jerby, interesting. Um, we can talk about, we've talked a lot on this show about Trent Baker. He's a guy who's come up mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he 
especially with the year he had in Palm Beach yes. last year, right? But I mean, when you look at Zane Mills, interesting. Zane Mills, Brian I mean, Pope, Austin Love. Guy. Uh, but the one I want to talk about is is uh, the guy who leads the team in strikeouts. And it's not Cooper Trippy. No, it's not. And it's He's not second. Tin cans, obviously, because I mean, limited injured. by injury as well. The, the, the guy who's in third, I also want to talk about because I want to get to know him more because there's some stuff there that I'm like, that is interesting. I want yeah. to look at your numbers. But it's 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 the Mizzou product, Ian Bedell. Ian Bedell, right? I mean, it's a guy who we have barely seen any of a, any of since the draft. I mean, in 2020, um, you know, had Tommy John in 2021 was delayed a lot in his comeback last year was supposed to come back in May got pushed back to August um, pitched a handful of innings of relief or actually I think he made one one inning start as well but pitched a handful of innings in Palm Beach um, and really this from getting the chance to talk to him earlier this season like this really feels like you know this is that season where it's like okay like this is what pro ball is and this is what um, you know this is that mm. first full minor league season that he has not had despite you know, this being what the second, this being the third season, third third that he's pro in, season. that he's yeah. a, as a pro. I mean, because obviously twenty twenty season was canceled, um, but yeah, I mean, and he had he had. I think what we're seeing right now is is kind of him moving past that. You know that I guess phase of like okay, the return from Tommy John and still figuring things out, still um, kind of getting used to being back on the mound and you know, getting a feel for your pitches and just throwing strikes. Um, and what we're seeing with Ian Bedell is him being, you know, really one of the most more, most effective, not just pitchers in um, in Peoria, but, I mean, really as a whole in kind of the Cardinals organization when it comes to, I mean, I know he's thrown and less in innings. In yeah, and, and yeah. just throwing, I mean, he's thrown less innings than, than a lot of the other guys, but, I mean, in just 16 innings, I mean, he's allowed three runs. I mean, it's a 1-1-3 one, one, ERA. Um, struck out 31 guys and walked just seven. I mean, yep. the strikeouts walk ratio, uh, I mean, seeing his, his command. Um, Notable. You know, it's... The thing that stands out, the only negative that stands out in his game right now is his whip at mm-hmm. 1.38, which is like... Yeah, and I think it's just giving up a lot of hits. Yeah, yeah, which 15 hits in 16 innings, but he's striking out a lot of guys. He's a, like... It's interesting that they have profiled him after his injury as a reliever. Mm-hmm. Seven seven games, no starts. Oh, and uh, I'm fine with that. And the thing is that when you look at his outings, he's being used really as a long reliever. I yes. mean, just in his most recent one at the time of this recording, oh, seven, right? Seven, through, uh, yeah, seven. You 16, know, through, yeah. through three and the third innings, um, it's something that he kind of talked about, right? Where he knows his role right now is as, is as a reliever. Mm-hmm. He knows he's going to be used in kind of multiple innings. Um, they're able to control there could him. Be, yeah, and there could be a possibility of, of him being stretched out into a starter down the line if an opportunity like that opens up. Um, obviously, he was a starter in his last year at Mizzou. Yep. Um, you know, led him to being the fourth-round pick for the, for the Cardinals in that, that shortened 2020 draft. Um, but, yeah, I yeah. mean, and we're seeing um, – we're just basically seeing him find his footing in, in professional baseball after, you know – Three year what is it? Four years or three years after the draft? Yeah, um, three years now after the draft. And he's doing that with the new slider. I mean, that's a pitch he worked on okay, this so past this, off season. This is I mean, good stuff. The, uh, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the slider is where he has. Um, and I yes, okay. And yeah, and I, I think that's just um, been able to give him a just just a better overall arsenal, right? I mean, sure. I think I mean he mentioned that you know he used to think that uh, his I think his changeup was his best pitch, and now he's kind of developing that slider and finding more confidence in it. Um, it was While still working off on. his fastball, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. He still it, was, works it, was some, it was something yeah. he worked on. No. Um, like he builds off his fastball. That's his, that's the pitch he throws most often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like when 
it's something you know that that's added really just another layer to to what he can do on the yes. mound um and the results are showing right mm-hmm. i mean it's numbers really speak for themselves with him oh yeah um yes but i mean yeah i mean we're finally getting to see you know who ian bedell can be as a professional baseball player what do you feel this is again time to throw away all journalistic credibility <laughs> and get totally reckless um your personal opinion as to what his projection is as a major league player like where do you see him develop like, you, like I'm, a, I'm not asking for like what he is today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm asking like okay so he's a three pitch guy four four pitch guy there's a fastball change up cutter curve cutter ball. okay so he makes oh, well, five pitch guy now slider slider so he's a yeah that cut that slider that, cutter that would I mean, be interesting to talk to him about yeah. is if it's a slider oh, cutter, we've seen that with you know Connor thomas right yes exactly that's exactly what i'm thinking they the cardinals organization has been very keen on converting guys who throw sliders or, or to turn that into one pitch mm-hmm. and one pitch you can throw confidently um is do you think he is long-term a, a, a relief pitcher is he a starter is it too early to tell I think from what we've seen now, I mean, he's kind of slotted into reliever role. Uh, I think the way he's getting stretched out, he's trending to being uh, given opportunity as a starter. Yep. Um, and this is just kind of based on what we've seen in, in his usage, right? Um, sure. He's been used, I mean, in one inning stints, been used in three inning stints. I mean, he's pitched his last two outings, I mean, three innings and three and a third after that. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's trending towards being stretched out in that way. Sure. Um, which... I think bodes well in a couple of different areas just because it bodes well for him to um, get more innings under him. Got it. I mean, he's for his career, he's only thrown 24 and a he third needs, innings. He needs innings. So he, he needs, needs those innings. He needs those, uh, he needs those. Yeah. He just needs that workload, right. To, mm-hmm. to figure out a lot of different things. Um, but I mean, I think when you kind of look, maybe obviously it's a lot early to tell, but I mean, when you look at what, um, that mix he possessed that that pitch mix right mm-hmm. that he has i mean it, it does bode well for him uh to kind of slot in as a starter to be able to use four four, four point five or five mm-hmm. pitches effectively um but i mean there's always that um but when you've seen what he's done in these shorter stints i mean you can't ignore that that possibility of him you know impacting the big league bullpen you know sometime down the line in the next three years yeah yeah um he is, as a college grad, a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Doesn't bother me one bit. Twenty three years old. Uh, it's just something to keep track on. Mm-hmm. Is that like you? We should be. He he's a guy that should his success continue. Mm-hmm. I know coming off of injury, um, you want to um, protect his innings, mm-hmm. his arms, his arm, his appearances. Um, it feel and, and you know what he is getting hit. You know base hits too often, right? Like that's that's the. That's the criticism on him. 15 hits in 16 innings is not ideal. It's not bad. It's just not ideal. Um, at 23 years old, is that the kind of guy you see, you know, the Cardinals being like, okay, so like you're striking out everybody in, in single A. We need to move you up to challenge you mm-hmm. while maintaining your rate of innings pitched. Like mm-hmm. I, it's almost like do, do at 23 years old, and I guess like, guys make the jump from double a to majors all the time it's not uncommon right like but at 23 years old do you see the cardinals wanting to move faster on him than a guy who's say 21 this is a this is a larger philosophical Mm -hmm. question what would you do i think they've 
been cautious cautious with him because of the injury right yeah yeah yeah. i mean but now that he's showing you know he's fully healthy i I think there still is a little bit of patience with that in that aspect well you don't want to go there and blow out his arm and right right but i I think uh yeah i mean when when you look at just kind of the i guess the track that that he's been on um i I still think there is a little bit of patience in that aspect right you don't want to um i mean i i think it'd be different right if we're talking about a guy who you know had 60 70 innings under him in palm beach and then shows his success in peoria which gives you the confidence it's like okay yeah this is about the time um but i mean when he's only had 16 innings in high a and 24 and a third overall it uh i i still think there's a little bit more time um and this is just um just kind of factoring in a lot of things right And, and just kind of uh looking at where he's at right workload wise where he's at just kind of experience wise i mean i I still think there's a little bit of time for for him to to just get that experience and get those innings under him there's time yeah is what you're saying okay let's move on here to the next pitcher to really talk about as i'm getting the notification that the cardinals lineup is out for today so that's lars Lars nupar and shohei otani first first uh first first matchup first matchup of the day well bottom of the first i guess bottom of the first so that that'll be that'll be uh fascinating to look at um cooper jerpy how's he been down in uh down well, in Peoria? uh well when you look at at the time of this recording right cooper jerpy had pitched earlier today and really has really showed um well basically it was it was his most effective outing of the year um heck yeah he came into to the outing having given up at least one homer in his first four starts walked at least three or more guys in his first four starts um Hadn't got past, uh, you know, had reached five innings, um, but, you know, just struggled with his command. Um, it's something that he talked about earlier, late last week, uh, of just kind of that importance of being able to get ahead. Um, feels like that that inability, I guess, in those first four starts to, to you know, get 0-1, 1-2. It's uh, kind of led to those uh, those home run counts. I mean, being able to – or it's limited sure. him in, in what, what is what – is, what he can throw right home runs are loud um and yeah i mean what we saw today and just kind of looking back at just briefly at a start which i hope to kind of get a better look at uh you know later tonight um got ahead effectively i mean oh yeah i'm just, just i'm just seeing his uh when when you look at just kind box of box score now really yeah, dominant i yeah. mean you yeah i mean he just got ahead effectively uh was really getting guys and, and getting guys into to good counts for him. I'm putting them away, putting them away early. Um, and really, I mean, that, that's, that's one of the things that he talked about is just understanding that, you know, guys at this level are going to, uh, are going to jump on you if you, if you fall behind and, you know, he didn't do that in, in his most recent start today. Um, but I mean, yeah, when you see, when you, I think when you see him and you see kind of the way some of his stuff plays, I think you are seeing that first round talent, right? Like you see what his slider looks like and the way it yes. moves, the way it's kind of thrown some guys off and kind of baffled guys. Definitely. I think uh, you saw a lot of just kind of pitches over the middle of the plate um, early on, right? You see a lot of that. Not that, locating. Yeah. You just see kind of that, that fastball mm-hmm. kind of hover around. I mean, he's not a guy with a ton of VLO. I mean, he kind of sits in the low 90s or like mid to low 90s. Um, then you know was a, was really effective it's with not it hard enough in, to get a, over in the Oregon State, plate. right? Yeah. But when you talk about you know that and compared to you know Tink Kent's right a guy who touched ninety eight, ninety nine, right? He can sit a little more closer to the white of the plate. Yeah, the um, but yeah. I mean, I think you're you're starting to see um, 
I think if 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 today's outing was any indicator of of where Cooper Jerpy is at just in his first month uh, of minor league baseball or first I guess month plus now that we're in May, um, you're starting to see him, uh, you know, just find that command. I mean, he had a layoff of what like 300 days of not pitching in yeah. an actual game. Yeah. Um. Obviously, he got work in the backfields. He got work in live uh, batting or live bullpen, live batting practice sessions. Um. You know, through the spring, you know, it wasn't like he was not throwing at all from June 11th until April 7th, right? No, no. But, I mean, but there there is a different – I mean, we've heard this from guys in the major league level, right, where there is a different feel to pitching a bullpen and there's a different feel to pitching in live batting practice and a different feel to pitching in a grapefruit league game and then a whole different feel of, you know, pitching in a regular season game. And I, I – and obviously he was – some that was something he was, like, kind of itching to get at. You know, he said it's, it's been a damn long time since he had yeah. pitched in an official game. Um, and, you know, now I think we're seeing him kind of – or if today's – like I said, if today's outing was any indicator, we're seeing him kind of pick up to that level, um, pick up to that pace of, of, you know, just getting into that groove of, of being on his uh, – in that rotation, uh, sticking to his routine and going out there and, and – providing beating or showing that he can provide a, a consistent outing and throw strikes for for peoria he went today for the peoria uh chiefs of course the firehouse dogs um mm-hmm. five and two thirds three hits no earned runs no runs a walk seven strikeouts Do- most dominant performance yeah i i think i think on the 80 thing, pitches i think the thing that sticks out to me is the one walk because he yeah, had walked yeah, so yeah. many guys he has had at least three walks in every start this season mm-hmm. and he has pitched to fewer batter well i mean i guess he's pitched to more batters but he had never pitched into the sixth inning before mm-hmm. and this was his first time and he had one walk that's there's a direct correlation yeah like there's hey don't yeah don't even, give even, free passes you're gonna go deeper yeah because even when you look at like the strike to ball ratio in his first few outings i mean just the last two he threw 81 and both of his previous starts from today yeah um had 44 strikes in the one bef- prior to today's start and 48 strikes before that so i mean you'd seen all those command issues boiling o- boil over right um and kind of lead to that inability to get guys out um well just making counts so difficult yeah on and, yourself, that, and, right? and like, now you see today you know what that looks like when he gets ahead and when he can execute it's a i mean solid happy to happy to see it mm-hmm. i think with you know Corvallis's own. Um, I guess he's not from Corvallis, but he's, he's from uh, Redwood. I believe you. I'm just saying it's Oregon. Wood. It's where Oregon State is. It's from Woodland, Cal- yeah, so Northern California. Corvallis. I think is, it's it's where Oregon State is. Corvallis. I think uh, Joseph King is from Redwood City. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Some neighbors. Um, given that 300 day um, layoff in pitching, I just kind of feel like he's probably going to spend the whole year in Peoria. Just play professional baseball for the first time in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you're, what, how old is he? 20-something? 20 23? Same age as, or 22. He's 22. 22. He's, a year, he's a year younger than Ian. But draft draft years actually line up. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Ian probably, yeah. So he turns, he just turned 22. Spend the whole year in Peoria. Start 25 games. Be the guy. Get used to playing professional baseball. Let's, mm-hmm. not, set, let's not set the standard so high on this guy that he can't possibly achieve it. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Uh, don't that's like last year. I know there was a lot of talk about well, can Cooper Jerby come in and pitch for the Cardinals this can season? Can he be in the bullpen? Can he be in, in the bullpen this year? Yeah. Can he join the like? Is he one of those guys? And there was a lot of talk about that because he's a veteran college arm. Yeah, and you come from a tough program and a tough a conference. Successful program. Yeah, success, yeah, that's right. Successful in a tough in a tough conference. Right, and so it's like I I would think the 
if we really want to develop these guys the best way we can, let's let Cooper, Austin, Jerby stay at a, at a single level and then reevaluate them next year. Right? That makes sense. I get what you're going with that. Like, let I mean, him you're... pitch 25. Now, if he starts doing this every game, move him up to Springfield. Yeah. But like, I think based on how we saw Gordon Graceffo and Michael McGreevy last year, two high-profile starters, mm-hmm. they kind of let them sit until they couldn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And then let them go through their struggles. I think going through that struggles was probably made sense, right? I mean, because yep. the guys, I mean, both of them were pretty, I mean, got off to really good starts in Peoria. Yep. And showed that they were playing above the level of the league. I mean, especially in Gordon Graceffo's case, who had a sub one ERA. Yes. Uh, to true. start the month. Or Th- the first month of baseball. Yes. I, I, I think, yeah, it's, um, I, I think there's still some to be shown for Cooper, Chirpy, at that level. I mean, obviously today's outing was that, step right of, of okay this is who that first round talent can be um yeah it was on display but Absolutely. yeah but Good i mean point. but i sorry yes. sorry I, yeah I, I agree with you on that standpoint where it's like you let a guy show you know catch up to the level of the league and i think that's something gary larock has talked about before of you know playing up to the level of the league and and you know where you're at in april doesn't you know try to get to where you want to be in august Yep. Um, and you have to show that capability. I, mean, I, I don't. I don't think we've seen that as much late. I mean, at least in the last year of you know some guy or a prospect struggling and, and moved up um, that rapidly. Um, I, I. But I, I do think that you know if Cooper Jerby's going to end up in Springfield at some point this year, like this, this was that first step. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, last guy to really talk about here, only because his numbers stand out so dramatically, mm-hmm. uh, is Alex Cornwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of an organizational guy at this point. He's been in, he's been in the um, in the system for a couple of years now. But he leads the team in, in innings pitched. Um, he's got a three ERA, strikeout twenty four. Uh, he has you know he played in um, in you know played for USC. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Southern California kid. Another Southern Californian was the 15th round pick in 2021. So he's still young. Uh, what, what about, you know, he's pitched in rookie ball and a ball and now he's in high a ball and, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's worked his way up and he's never been, well, I guess he was dominant in his one year in rookie ball. I'm looking at it now as a reliever uh, in eight, eight appearances. You know, he's great. But last year he really struggled in Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Um Five ERA over twenty four appearances, ten starts. Uh, wh- what about him? Is is there anything to keep an eye on here? Is yeah, just a more guy. I I think one of the things that will I mean that that's been kind of yeah I, that that's been kind of interesting to see is just the way he's been utilized. Right? I mean, you said twenty four games or twenty four outings, ten starts. Um, this year he started out of the bullpen. Uh, once Tim Kent's went down, he kind of slid into that ro- that uh, rotation spot. Yep. And has started the last three games. I mean, and really, I mean, was has been kind of had a few mixed results here and there. I mean, but he's somebody who, like you said, I think it's still, um, I think we're still learning more about, right? I mean, US. I mean, he, you know, obviously went to USC and and uh, same thing, played in the Pac-12. So he had kind of had to play up to that level of that uh, of that conference. But um, uh, I, you know, Alex Cornwell means a guy who. I think showed a few flashes last year with Palm Beach that he could be effective. Um, but, I mean, I think part of it's also because of opportunity, right? When Sure. When you're 
slotted into a bullpen spot and you're not you know as maybe prominent as a minor of a prospect as you know somebody like ian bedell right who is is in a bullpen role or maybe even a guy like andre granillo who's in springfield yes who is in a bullpen role but you're going to be pitching in higher leverage spots be utilized more regularly and be able to, to get those opportunities in those innings um but i think now with obviously a little bit of a of a hiccup in peoria's rotation right where tink Hens has been sidelined austin love uh who's been out with the forearm injury you know hasn't hasn't pitched of late uh and Ilkhan paniawa who i know we talked about a lot last year has we been did. has been sidelined pretty much all season long with a uh, or hasn't you know hasn't appeared this regular season yet um uh, because of the shoulder uh injury uh, and now you're seeing a guy like Alex Cornwell slot into that and, and get a chance to, you know, make some type of impression, right? Yeah. Um, so I think we should, I mean, obviously it's unfortunate for guys to go down with injury, for guys to um, to to kind of slot into a role like that. But, I mean, I think we're seeing a guy who um, has had a bit of an inconsistent role in pro ball. And, you know, is kind of going through those motions of, of figuring things out as well. He's an interesting prospect. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at his, his his history, right? Like, he's a Juco guy. Mm-hmm. Came to came to Southern California in his third year of college. Um, of course, USC, the Trojans, of course. Only appeared in four games in his junior year for the Trojans. Started 15 in his senior year. Wasn't your, like, prototypical dominant Pac-12 you know starter yeah, wasn't your friday friday night no not not even remotely um but it was okay he wasn't bad in a tough conference uh then gets drafted after his senior year because there's nowhere else. he can't go back to i guess he might have been able to go back to college should he really wanted to but he gets drafted goes and plays in in rookie ball at the complex league complex league was uh, outstanding mm-hmm. and then struggled and then shows some flashes and this and that it it, it just seems like now they they tell guys regularly ollie marmol talks about it all the time the cardinals organization talks about it all the time is like be ready for your opportunity mm-hmm. P- preparedness is important right being ready for your chance is important and he got a chance mm-hmm. and he has taken advantage of it by being pretty good at high a and that might give him a continued job in major league in professional baseball mm-hmm. uh, i don't think you look at this guy even at his performance right now and go man is this the you know Gordon Graceffo was a deeper was a deep was a deeper draft pick. Yeah, like, he was he wasn't a top you know thirty pick, top thirty overall pick. Is this the guy? Is this the diamond in the rough? And it's like, well, no, that that's not what this, the stats are showing us. But he's a guy who will factor into the minor leagues, which is what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. I think significantly moving forward, especially at his age. You know, he's at twenty four. He's less than a year older than the average uh, high A player, mm-hmm. which is interesting to think about. Um, and it kind of puts into perspective how um, successful Jordan Walker has been, because like, I, I or and Mason Wynn, where it's like you look up, you look at their like plus minus ages, and it's like oh right, okay, yeah. But it kind of you have to reshape your thinking with those two guys, yeah. Um, but this podcast is about all of the minor leagues, and he will factor into the minor leagues. So I like talking about guys like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else we want to get onto? We've been going here for a little while. Anything else we want to get onto? Is there anything else to? talk about with peoria before we move on to springfield next week um no i feel like i mean maybe you know or i, I guess we can do palm beach next week as well or we can i don't know we have to do our research on that though of course right. uh, anything else here with with peoria that's worth talking about no i mean i think uh i think we kind of touched on it right where there's a lot of prospects who have high i mean i don't like saying like high ceilings right because guys can be 
whoever. I mean, you don't, you just don't know. Yeah, what, what, what does high strides, ceiling mean? What kind, yeah. yeah, what kind of strides or what kind of ceiling that looks like? But you have a guys who are on that. That when it comes to like that prospect spectrum, it's like who are on the higher end of that, right? Who, yep. who are towards that top of those rankings, um, towards the top of those rankings. Sorry, um, but yeah. So I mean, it, it's 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 an interest. There's some interesting trends going on in Peoria, um, interesting names and and guys who are, I guess, a little bit paused in their their prospect timeline because of injury, and guys who are figuring, then guys who just were resumed i guess because of, you know yep. like ian Bedell and guys who are figuring it out guys at different um, degrees of their yeah so i yeah. mean I, I think peoria is really like a like a mishmash of different stages of, of prospect development right now and it's it, it's it's been an interesting thing to watch it has been interesting mm-hmm. and i'm looking at the um mlb pipeline top 100 and there's lots of names you know, there are guys on this list or top 30 for the Cardinals that we didn't even talk about. Guys like mm-hmm. Zane Mills. Mm-hmm. Uh, big big ground ball guy. Yes. We talked about Enohan for a moment. Uh, Dionysus. Di- mm, I'm going to do this wrong again. Di- Dionysus. Dionys? Di- Dionys. Yes. Thank you. Dionys Rodriguez. I just I, I can read the name. I know what I'm trying to say. I just <laughs> can't get my mouth to say it. Um, talked about Tink. Uh, and then next week, there's lots of guys at low A that we can tease right now. Guys like Leonardo Bernal, um, Josh Baez, Bryson Mott, Pete Hansen, Matt Radzic, Juan Bin Cho with his unbelievable um, bat, flips. bat flips. He he's bring he's bringing that to uh, he's he's bringing to a ballpark it. near you. Yeah, really. Like he does not care. He we we do not care. Um, <laughs> I almost did the the, the the sound. Yeah, no, we can't we can't include that. We'll get uh, copyright strike. Copyright but strike. until next week, I have been digital baseball producer and co-host Carter Chapley, and always will be. I always will always will be. I'll uh, always be Carter Chapley. I'll always be Carter Chapley. Uh, if if you ask Tom Timmerman, I am the chap. The chap, which is a nickname I've never heard, but I have I have been Carter Chapley. That's uh, I have been Daniel Guerrero. You will always be Daniel Guerrero, the True. the minor league dude. Uh, the one and only minor league dude. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the best podcast in the minors. You can find us on stltoday.com or your STL Today mobile app. Uh, Spotify. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. You can find Daniel in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. Find Carter online at stltoday.com. And the STL Today Instagram, Twitter, uh, Reddit. I'm on Reddit now, so if you're a Cardinal wow. Reddit, I'll be there. We'll post these in Reddit soon. Um, I'm everywhere. So Start the chap subreddit. The chap sub, the chap. Fanboy account for Church, Carter Chapley. Church of the chap. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.